Welcome to Creative Biolabs. 100% of the effort, 100% of the service. As a dynamic contract research organization, we are based in New York and serve the whole world. Our seasoned scientists are skilled in antibody discovery, antibody engineering, and biomanufacturing solutions. Hi, Sony. I am very glad to have you here with us today again talking about ADC. As we all know that ADCs has been used to treat cancers. But can ADCs be applied beyond cancer treatment? It's my pleasure to be here. And yes, you are right. Most ADCs developed thus far deal with cancers. But there are new ADC technologies out there, under development, that can go beyond treating cancers. The key variables for ADCs targeting cancer, like the targeted cell type, targeting strategy, and payload, they are often clearer compared to these variables for non-oncology indications, which are more complex. Of course, there would be challenges when designing non-oncology ADCs. You probably can imagine some of them, like selecting the right targeting cell type, a distinct surface marker expressed on the targeting cells, which often overlaps healthy cells, and a potent, non-cytotoxic payload drug. And so far, there are only a few ADCs that are not designed for cancer, and none of them has progressed to clinical trials. So it seems that ADCs for non-oncology still have a long way to go, compared to those applied to treating cancers. Can you give us some examples of existing ADCs for non-oncology applications? Sure. Although very few, but there are some using non-cytotoxic small molecules. We can tell that, delivering intracellular acting small molecules to target tissues of interest, is clearly beneficial. It can enhance the therapeutic index relative to on-target effects in other tissues. Theoretically, we can develop ADCs for any disease, in which pharmacological manipulation is desirable in particular tissue, and cell type that express cell surface markers with some degree of selectivity. For example, CD163 is a glucocorticoid-regulated surface protein, expressed by monocytes and macrophages, that imparts various biological functions, including clearance of debris, and balancing immune responses. Because CD163, you know, expressed on macrophages, is detected at the inflammatory sites of pro-inflammatory diseases, like rheumatoid arthritis, IBD, non-alcoholic statohepatitis, and atherosclerosis, CD163 has been explored, as a target of tissue-specific delivery of anti-inflammatory small molecules using ADCs. It was given the name alpha-CD163 dexamethasone conjugate. So in one in vivo study using RAT model, this resultant ADC alpha-CD163 dexamethasone exhibited a strong anti-inflammatory effect, using LPs induced TNF secretion as a readout. In contrast to a strong systemic effect of dexamethasone, the AEC had no such effect as measured by thymocyte apoptosis, body weight loss, and suppression of endogenous cortisol levels. This result suggests that the side effects were greatly attenuated by this targeted delivery method. In addition to alpha-CD-163 dexamethasone, we also have alpha-CD-70 budesonide conjugate, alpha-CXCR4 desatinib conjugate, alpha-CD-11 ALXR agonist conjugate, alpha-CD-11 APDE4 inhibitor conjugate and alpha-S aureus antibiotic conjugate. 
They are all for non-oncology applications. Wow, that is exciting. So you think the most important factors in non-oncology ADC's design, still are payload and antibodies? Yes. Payload and antibodies selections are key considerations for non-oncology ADCs. As is the case in ADCs for oncology, the nature of the small molecule payload is a critical selection criterion for non-oncology ADCs. While small molecule drugs are typically designed and optimized with passive diffusion envisaged, as the major cellular uptake mechanism, ADCs typically decouple the uptake process from the physicochemical properties of the molecule. Instead, ADCs rely upon factors, such as copy number of the target surface antigen, internalization and refresh rate of the surface antigen, endosomal escape of the payload, and the potential for the payload to be re-released into the extracellular space. We must recognize the relative lack of the suitable surface antigens to target with ADCs and compensate this by selecting a highly potent payload. So the new design focus on the payload selection, and also important, which all other design elements are based on, is choosing the surface antigen, to which the ADC will home and gain entry into its target compartment. What are some main factors when selecting the payload for non-oncology ADCs? Just like the payload selection of oncology ADCs, pharmacology and toxicity are still the main factors here. But different from oncology ADC, payloads are typically cytotoxic molecules, such as tubulin polymerization inhibitors, and DNA damaging agents. For non-oncology ADCs, the payloads can be a lot more diverse, and heterogeneous array of compounds, like receptor agonists, receptor antagonists, and enzyme inhibitors. So what are some payload potency requirements, in non-oncology ADCs? That is a good question. The potency requirements for non-oncology ADCs differ according to the mechanism of action of the payload, such as an antagonist, agonist, or inhibitor. Let's give an example. We know that the BCR-ABL inhibitor and alpha-CD11-APD4 inhibitor, utilized highly potent payload inhibitors, with low picomolar potency, which are likely required to maintain suppression, of the relevant pathologic pathways. On the other hand, the liver X-receptor agonist-based ADC, incorporated a considerably less potent pharmacophore, with single-digit nanomolar potency. It is quite likely that, agonist-based ADCs have less stringent requirements for potency, and consistent intracellular exposure, than antagonists or inhibitors. In the case of the CD163-targeted dexamethasone, the in vivo efficacy of the ADC was 50-fold greater than the non-conjugated dexamethasone, despite the similar intrinsic potency. While these relative trends are likely to be consistent across different ADCs, some factors, like the surface expression level, rate of internalization, release, and resurfacing of the antigen target, will play dominant roles in the absolute requirement of the payload potency. And what about the selection of antibody or antigens, for non-oncology ADCs? In terms of antigen selection for non-oncology ADCs, the important factors include, antigen specificity on tissue and cell types, antigen surface expression, internalization, and antigen physiological function. Could you go into a bit more detail? For example, why is antigen specificity on tissue, and cell types an important factor? 
Yes, of course. The basic criteria for antigen selection are the presence of the antigen on cell types of interest, and the absence of this antigen on other cell types. In non-oncology applications especially, we really have to have a clear understanding of the disease pathogenesis, so that we can select the appropriate antigen, since host cells like immune cells are highly adaptable, and often change their phenotype dramatically in the disease state. A more selectively expressed antigen has, theoretically, the ability to deliver a safer EDC, but we need to know that, a critical threat to efficacy is that, a highly selective surface antigen for a given disease state is transient, heterogeneous, or expressed too low, at a level that we thought it, can facilitate the robust delivery of a payload drug. So while we think it's great to focus on antigens with high expression levels, and internalization dynamics in non-oncology ADCs, a greater guiding principle is to emphasize on efficacy, rather than the absolute specificity in oncology ADCs. So does antigen surface expression and internalization affect the overall ADC delivery and efficacy? Antigen surface expression and internalization, these are key criteria for selecting an antigen for ADC delivery. Antigen should be consistently abundant on the target cells, and capable of maintaining a good balance of antigen internalization and recycling. The abundancy of the antigen on the cell surface is an important factor in predicting the efficiency of antibody-mediated internalization, and so, it's related to the overall effectiveness of the ADC. For example, the beta-N-acetylglucosamine cell wall Tayshoat Cassid monoclonal antibody was selected for the AAC against S. aureus because the antigen that this antibody binds to is highly abundant and highly expressed on S. aureus in vitro and during infection, and is absent from mammalian cells. How does the desired antigen differ when used in oncology ADCs, compared to that in non-oncology ADCs? Right, so it is essential to understand the importance of these antigen physiological functions when considering an appropriate antigen for targeting an ADC. Unlike in oncology, where attractive antigens are often expressed at superphysiologic levels and either have no function or drive the cancer survival, in non-oncology applications, it is often critical that the antigen being targeted is minimally perturbed. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing with us the new development in non-oncology ADCs. It truly broadened our horizons on ADCs beyond oncology. You want to give us a summary at the end of today's podcast? No problem. It's my pleasure. To summarize, we know the majority of ADCs developed to date target cancer therapies, only few are for non-oncology indications, and most are still in the early discovery phases. Perhaps because of our more advanced understanding of the non-oncology ADC's cell surface proteome, most of them have been developed to target immune cells. But with increased knowledge of disease pathogenesis, and identification of tissue and cell surface-specific markers, we will have more novel therapeutics, emerging from ADC platforms for a broader range of diseases. And with more potent small molecules discovered for targets relevant for different disease, ADCs are poised to have a major impact on new therapies.